Hello and welcome to day 90 of our Bible reading course, as we pass the final marker post on our journey towards the Celestial City, to borrow John Bunyan's phrase from the Pilgrim's Progress. The church in Ephesus was founded during Paul's two-year stay on his third missionary journey. Like Corinth, it was a major commercial crossroads situated on the western coast of Turkey. You can still visit its impressive ruins. Paul writes from prison, quite possibly in Rome, while awaiting trial before the emperor, so the early 60s AD. There are no specific questions, problems or issues to address, so a bit like Romans, it's a general letter of encouragement and instruction. It serves as an excellent summary of Paul's thought, covering the good news of the gospel, the church and Christian living. Today's passage is from the heart of the letter, chapter 2, verse 1, to chapter 5, verse 2. Let's pray. Creator God, Psalm 19 says that your word is more precious than gold and sweeter than honey. Thank you for the scriptures and bless this time now. May I know that you are with me and speaking to me. In Jesus' name. Amen. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called the uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father, by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, 
built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you, that is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me, to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him, and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, for ever and ever. Amen. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens, in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, 
the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, to equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love, as each part does its work. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught, with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbour, for we are all members of one body. In your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. The Christian faith is all about receiving and discovering a new identity. It starts with a new identity in Christ. Having once been dead in our sins, we have now been made alive in Jesus, a life which straddles both earth and heaven, where he is seated at the Father's right hand. But this personal salvation, although marvellous, is where much of our witnessing and evangelism tends to stop. For Paul, however, it's just the beginning. For what God has always had in mind is to create in his Son one new humanity, comprising both Jew and Gentile, breaking down the suspicions, fears and hostility between these two groups to form the household of God in unity and peace, a living temple indeed, in which God is present 
through his Holy Spirit. This is just as much a part of our new identity. Paul goes on to describe this as a mystery. He uses the word four times in just seven verses. Something so radical and unexpected, and yet a central element in God's plan to make everything new in his coming kingdom. This mystery has now been revealed and given visible form in the church, which God is holding up, not just in the sight of the world, but before all the principalities and powers in the heavenly realms. Paul goes on to say more about these in the final chapter of the letter, and the spiritual armour we must wear in order to defeat them, for they are not good but evil spiritual forces at work in the universe. The church is a key sign of their impending defeat, and the redemption of all creation that happened at the cross and empty tomb. Hence his call to the Ephesians to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace, and his description of what's often called the fivefold ministry pattern in the church apostles, who pioneer, establish, and preach, prophets, who continue bringing the word of God, evangelists, who declare the gospel and call people to faith, the pastors and teachers, who grow and disciple God's people. These work together for the unity and maturity of the church, keeping everyone on the path of growth. Paul then moves on to a section of practical application, picking up once again the idea of putting off, or as we have seen elsewhere, crucifying the old self, and putting on the new. The letter to the Ephesians contains a very high view of the church, a new humanity and sign of the kingdom of God. Where in my local church do I see this taking place? How are we countercultural in this respect? What does the word unity imply in this letter? Is it just about not having any arguments or divisions? Or does it have a positive dimension, such as the strength of our fellowship, our inclusiveness, sacrificial love, etc.? How can I play my part in that most valuable work of building up and encouraging God's people? In the centre of the passage is a most wonderful prayer for the believers in Ephesus, asking for God's strength and power for them, to comprehend more and more of Jesus' agape love for them, and to be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. When this podcast has finished, or later on in the day, maybe I can read quietly over these verses, praying them for myself and also for someone else that I know. Lord God, my Heavenly Father, I bless you for the freedom and confidence with which I can approach you at any time. You are never too busy, and I am never too insignificant. Show me where I still need to put off the old self and put on the new, like a piece of clothing, only far more difficult, so that I might continue to grow into maturity, not only in what I know about you, but in how I live in and for you. In Jesus' name. Amen.